Hi, and welcome to the iPhone Life podcast. I'm Donna Cleveland, Editor-in-Chief at iPhone Life. I'm David Averbach, CEO and publisher. I'm Colin Thomas, writer and producer at iPhone Life. Today, we have a special theme for our podcast. We are going to be discussing all things iPad OS. That's Apple's latest operating system that is specifically created for the iPad. We're going to talk about whether Apple did a good job with iPad OS and whether it is moving Apple closer to having a tablet that can work as a full-fledged computer. Stay tuned for that. Uh, we have a message from our sponsor first. Today's sponsor is GoBuddy. So GoBuddy has these really excellent products. We were just talking in the last episode of the podcast of how AirPods sometimes fall out of your ears. But I personally like the AirPods more than the AirPod Pros. They're cheaper, they're more comfortable fit. So this is a really good solution for you if you're like me and you have a set of AirPods and aren't necessarily getting the AirPod Pros where it's a little silicon wrapper that wraps around the outside of your ear and attaches to your AirPods to uh, be a secure fit. It's very comfortable, it's lightweight, and it's only $10.99. So it's really cheap, affordable. If you're someone who's still wanting to buy some stocking stuffers or something like that, it's a really great uh, Christmas present or stocking stuffer. So make sure you check it out. They're called EarBuddy Flex. They're sold on Amazon or we'll link to in the show notes, iphonelife.com slash podcast. My husband has a pair of these and loves them. Mm. Uh, when we ran a 5K together, he was really having trouble keeping his AirPods to stay uh-huh. in while running and this salt. Solved the problem oh, for him. Only $10. Next, we want to tell you about our free daily tip newsletter. You can sign up at iphonelife.com slash daily tips. This is a newsletter that sends you a tip each day to your inbox, teaching you something cool you can do with your iPhone. This is a really easy, fast way to improve your skills with your devices. So to go to iphonelife.com slash daily tips to learn more. We have a special tip today we wanted to tell you about. A lot of people have been complaining about with their iPad that it can't be a full-fledged computer replacement because there is no mouse and there's no trackpad. And that's really frustrating for people. Especially but, when you have a Bluetooth keyboard set up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You keep reaching for the mouse. I know. I, I always there. reach for the mouse that isn't there. I agree. And uh, if you have a mouse set up, then, then you're in a situation that's actually in some ways better than a computer because you have a touch screen as well as a mouse and a keyboard. So you actually can connect a Bluetooth mouse to your iPad and actually to your iPhone too, which is weird to think about. Which is weird, but it works. (laughs) And Colin wrote this tip, so I'm gonna hand it over to him to explain how you do this. I was really excited to discover this feature for Mm -hmm. the iPad because it opens up a lot of options. So what you're gonna do to attach a Bluetooth mouse to your iPad is you're gonna use a set of features called assistive touch. Assistive touch is for people who have a hard time using touch screens. And it, it, it's not, one of its features is that it can include a mouse, but you have to turn on the whole assistive touch feature set in order to get the mouse mm. working. And it will work with any Bluetooth mouse, mouse, at least any Bluetooth mouse that we've tested. So first you, um, you go to the settings app, then you open accessibility, and then you look for touch in the accessibility menu. Then in the touch menu, you tap assistive touch to toggle it on. Um, Or you tap assistive touch and that opens the assistive touch menu. Um, And then you toggle assistive touch on. And then you scroll down uh, the assistive touch menu to the section on pointer devices and tap devices. Um, And then tap Bluetooth devices. 
in the Bluetooth devices menu, you can, you can pair your Bluetooth mouse with your iPad. And it works just like pairing your Bluetooth mouse with anything else. Um, and then it will be set up as an assistive touch device, a device designed to help people work with an iPad who have a hard time with touch screens. Once you've got it paired, it, sh it, will, it will work. You'll get a little, your cursor will look a little weird. It'll be round because it simulates the size of your fingertip mm. mm -hmm. because your interface is designed for much um, fatter taps yeah. than your computer monitor is. Um, it will also activate a widget that will float around your screen that gives you access to some additional features that are hard to reach if you can't use the touch screen. Um, but you can ignore that and use your mouse and you will have a mouse paired with your iPad. Did you find it to be like pretty easy to use once it was set up? Yeah, the original setup was a little was a little tricky. There are some mice that you actually won't won't pair in the assistive touch screen, and you have to go down. Um, you have to use a, a slightly different screen. Um, but like, assuming you can get it set up, like once does it work pretty much seamlessly? Oh yeah, yeah, it works. Um, in fact. You can even program what right and left mouse button do. So you mm -hmm. can you can essentially set up a contextual menu, menu for your right mouse. Um, I found that especially compared with a this is cool. paired with a Bluetooth keyboard, uh -huh. it really upped the game for what the iPad um, could do. It really made it a lot more intuitive to use as if it were a laptop. Um, I do all my work in Google Docs and having a mouse to like select text mm -hmm. and to move things around. There are some oddities. It doesn't really know how you still kind of, instead of like clicking and dragging to select text, you still have to do it the same way that you would with your finger, which is like mm. double tapping oh, and then dragging yeah, the yeah, cursors. Yeah, yeah. But um, it's easier because a mouse is more precise than my fingertips um, <laughs> anyway. So I, I really liked it and and would be using it. Hmm. Yeah. That's cool. And that will tie into our iPad OS conversation in some ways. Um, having this option might bring your iPad closer to being a laptop and maybe that combined with iPad OS. I don't know. Maybe it is finally a laptop replacement. <laughs> <laughs> Stick around to find out. Next, I want to talk about our premium subscription. That's iPhone Life Insider. You can sign up for a monthly digital subscription and you get access to in-depth video content. We create guides for everything from new iOS updates to comprehensive iPhone beginner guides that teach you um, everything you need to know about using your devices. You also get a full archive to iPhone Life magazine. Right now we have our holiday buyer's guide out, so you'll get access to that, plus 30 back issues, more than 30 back issues. Uh, we have an Ask an Editor service where we'll answer questions that you're having about your devices that you might not be finding. We also have daily video tips, and you also get an ad-free version of this podcast plus exclusive content just for insiders. So we have a $5 discount for podcast listeners. Go to iphonelife.com slash podcast discount and claim that today. Next, Colin's going to tell us a, a question an insider sent recently and the solution he helped them find. Sure. Actually, it was Sarah this time. Okay. I've been brought in to help Sarah with mm -hmm. her, help, with her uh, Ask an Editor questions, and I'm working on changing my name to Sarah. <laughs> so Insider John writes, Hi, I have a dark mode question. I really like keeping my phone, XMAS, iOS up to date, in dark mode, except when I'm searching reading on the web. Some sites don't work and others don't read well. 
Is there any way to have my phone always in dark mode for everything else, but I set Safari to normal? And Sarah answered, you can't designate which apps are in dark mode, but you can make it easy to quickly turn dark mode off and on again by adding dark mode to your control center. Go to settings, control center, customize controls, and tap the green plus icon next to dark mode. Now you'll be able to open the control center and turn it off and on again whenever you want to browse the web. You can also ask Siri to turn off and on dark mode. Just ask Siri, hey Siri, turn on dark mode. Um, I find that asking Siri to turn dark mode on and off is actually something I do a lot. Oh, really? That's yeah. interesting. Yeah, I I do think it's lame, though, that Apple doesn't let you control it by app. Like, all third-party apps that have a dark mode, that's something you can turn on individually. Like, Amazon, I believe, and Day One, or Kindle, maybe, um, are apps I use that have a dark mode option. And I do wonder why Apple hasn't allowed this, but I think this is a great workaround. Yeah, it's pretty quick to pop down that control center. Yeah, it it's is. not too bad. No. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, it would be nice to have specific apps you could set. For me, though, my pet peeve is kind of the opposite. It's that so many third-party apps do not yet support dark mode. And when I'm on dark mode, I find it really like abrasive to suddenly have a bright white screen up glaring at me. So I kind of want the reverse. I want like everything to be unified, which Apple has done from their end. It's just a matter of third-party apps supporting it. Yeah, which it seems like more and more apps are coming out with dark mode options. Yeah. But that's a good one. I actually just last week added control center added dark mode to my control center and I've been using it a lot. Mm -hmm. So that's nice. We have another sponsor. David, do you want to tell us about that? Yeah. The second sponsor for today's episode is Element Case. And they have a wide range of cases for to meet your needs. They have very affordable ones. They have one of the coolest cases. Uh, that uh, they sell is actually very high-end, uh, and they have uh, all ranges in between. Um, and so they have, make sure you check it out, it's Element Case, and they have, they're, they're all very protective cases, affordable, lightweight, um, and yeah, go to elementcase.com or iphonelife.com slash podcast, and we'll link to the show notes. All right, so we've been hyping our special theme this episode. Can... Uh, iPad OS bring Apple closer, bring the iPad closer to a laptop replacement. I want to hand it over to David and Colin for their opinions. They've had the most hands-on experience with mm-hmm. iPad OS, uh, so I will be facilitating this conversation. <laughs> Can uh, I get Colin, him to break up the fight? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Colin, you're pretty new to the iPad, aren't you? I am. Yeah. I actually, for years, I used the Microsoft Surface, which is just a laptop that looks like a tablet. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's kind of the direction they're hoping to expand their feature set. Well, now, isn't the Microsoft Surface? It like has both the full operating system and also the mobile operating system on it and you can switch between or is they, that a different that was when it first started out and okay. windows was flirting with the idea but they kind of got rid of it it's now just a basically a laptop okay um but the ipad os is is pushing in the direction of wanting to have full multitasking functionality um and they've in- introduced a number of multitasking features but first i want to say that ipad os is like creating this whole separate OS designation, calling it iPad OS, is really just acknowledging what's been true all along, Mm -hmm. is that the iPad has had a slightly separate operating system from the iPhone Mm -hmm. for a while. It's had iPad-only features. Yeah, there were features that were only on the iPad. Yeah. Um, And now they're acknowledging that it's actually a separate operating system with the intent 
as far as I can tell, and, and I hope that this is true, that as they continue to grow the feature set of the iPad OS, they can really make it its own thing. They can acknowledge the difference with the device and how it's used and expand it into, into something that that really does occupy its own niche, that isn't mm -hmm. just like a larger iPhone. Mm -hmm. um, and so I see a lot of potential, and I'm hopeful that that will continue to grow. At the moment, their multitasking features are really complicated, yeah. and even experts are having some hard a hard time learning how to use them effectively. Colin and I taught the uh, we ha we taught a class on this on the iPad multitasking, and it was tough. <laughs> I mean, we had I was a like, hard time. See you guys, time. I'm going out of yeah, town. Yeah, have yeah, fun yeah. with that. <laughs> yeah. I know, and we had a hard time. I mean, as we're demonstrating it, like it's so finicky to get it to work. Yeah, and it's so not intuitive. And I feel like with multitasking in particular, that sort of that that's the crux of it, in my opinion, because to have a truly like professional experience, you need multitasking and computers handle that effortlessly. They have windows and overlay and you can easily switch between them. You can put them side by side and it's a very easy interface. And iPad, even though they've added it and they keep building out this feature set, because it's unintuitive and because it's kind of finicky and hard to get to work, any time savings you would have had by multitasking <laughs> effectively are just lost. Like, and it's just infuriating. Like, I hate using it. Uh, I think yeah. I'm more of a hater on this than you are, though, Colin. I'm not quite there yet. <laughs> I, I, uh, I find that I can get two pages up on the same screen pretty effortlessly. The little f Rolodex flip thing is much trickier to use, and honestly, I don't see myself using it. But the split-screen mode the way to do it from the dock is finicky and it takes a couple of tries. Mm -hmm. But there's often, I mean, I do a lot of research on the web um, and having multiple pages open at the same time is essential. Mm -hmm. Like you just, you just can't do web research no. with only one page open. And that's yeah. ultimately the biggest barrier and the reason why the um, iPad OS wasn't going to work for me. I mean, mm -hmm. even though it's portable, sitting in a cafe with sitting with, in a cafe trying to read and not having Wikipedia open next to me, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't going to work. Yeah. So this this is a step in the right direction. Um, I I do hope that they make it a little easier to use. That they refine, continue to refine the process and their and particularly their gestures. Um, there's one where you the, the gesture that we're particularly annoyed about is the one where in order to open a second app, you have to drag it off of your dock. Mm -hmm. But if you get the timing wrong by even <laughs> a little bit, it doesn't work. Yeah. And there's also no indication of which apps can be opened multiple times and which ones can't. Yeah. So yeah. it's like so you're sitting there trying to drag, flick this app off of your dock and you, it's not working and you don't know whether it's because it's a third-party app and it won't open twice or you're getting the timing wrong. Anyway, it's annoying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So just to clarify, like Apple has for a long time had the ability to use more than one – to use two yep. apps on the same screen, either with split screen or slide over, which lets you like show a smaller window of a second app and like flip yeah. it onto the side of your screen. That's the Rolodex thing. Okay, that's a, I was like, what are you talking about? Slide Rolodex. over. It's, slide um, over. It's, a little, it's a little like Rolodex of tiny slides of your different uh, apps. Right, right. And so now with iPadOS, they, my understanding is that you can um, create different pairings of the same app. So for instance, let's say you're using taking notes while 
um, using Safari and researching things, you can pair those two apps together and then also use a different Safari window and pair that with, I don't know, some other Apple app that you're using. Yeah, the key feature is that you can have the same app open multiple times. And like have different groupings. So it's, yeah, which is really awesome with Safari or Chrome or whatever web browser so that you can have, you know, eight different web pages open paired with eight different apps or with themselves. You can have two different Safari pages open at the same mm -hmm. time on two different halves of your screen, which, um, which is a big improvement. I mean, that's a big deal. Mm -hmm. If you're if you're like me and you have 55 tabs on your browser at any given time, <laughs> but you still flip between Safari tabs the same way, right? Where yep. you and that's not that great, I don't think. Like, let's say you're researching, like for me, I'll a lot of times have like 20 tabs open that I want to just be able to click through easily. It doesn't feel as easy with the way that you do it on on yeah. iOS, which is the same as the way you do it on iPad OS. You still you have, have it's still a two tap process to switch tabs. You have to tap the tabs button and then tap the tab you want. Mm -hmm. um, but you can it's drag not that bad, I guess. You can drag an individual tab out of your tabs view and make it into a split screen view. Oh, that's cool. And then you can have two tabs open at the same time on I guess, the same screen. I guess one thing, like to me, I'm like, this would just require some education on my part. Like it did take me a while, but I kind of just learned growing up how to use a computer. And that if I just was learning that now, I'm sure it wouldn't all seem that intuitive to me too. Like, do you guys think part of the problem is that iPadOS just re requires someone to like sit down and spend some time learning it? I mean, it is part of the problem, but I think it just is not, it does, it, it's not intuitive in the way computers are. And it's just finicky. Like, I don't know how else to explain it. Like Colin's saying, it takes me three tries to get an app open sometimes. And then I'm like... Right. It's it just a lot of cognitive overhead to use in a way That's that computers it, aren't. It relies on timing, which is something that um, UI designers have long known was not a good idea. <laughs> like you don't want to rely on on getting this gesture at just the right speed. Yeah. That, yeah. Because so many people move at different rates and because there's just too many variables involved. But it does. Um, I agree a little bit that Mac is a little bit trying to reinvent the wheel here. They've got an operating system that people are familiar with, the iOS, which from the beginning has always been incredibly intuitive. Mm -hmm. yeah. They really put in their work to make iOS intuitive from the beginning and when they add new features to make sure that they're integrated in a relatively intuitive way. Although they've definitely had some feature creep over the years as new things like Control Center and so on keep adding new things that, aren't, that you have to know about in order to use. Um, but now they're trying to take the multitasking that we're familiar with on a c computer and add that into the mix. And it is, it is new. There's a lot of things that you wouldn't know unless somebody told you about them. I th and I think to me, my biggest complaint, and maybe some of this is you know, the fact that I've been covering the iPad since the beginning. And I I've written about this, but like when Steve Jobs announced the iPad, he was very clear that like, the iPad, he went through this whole rationale. I actually recommend going and watching it. It's a really great announcement. It is, yeah. It's like classic Steve Jobs. But he went through this whole rationale of why the iPad deserved to exist. And his whole rationale was it needed to have its own specific functions that it was best at, that it was better than a computer at, and it was better than an app or than an iPhone at. And I feel like the choice to use iOS came from that. They wanted an intimate hands-on technology 
that was the largest screen allowed you to consume content in a way you can't on an iPhone. It, you know, it's so much nicer to watch uh, a movie on an iPad pad than an iPhone book. or to read a book or even browsing the web because it's touchscreen and you can zoom in uh, is a really nice intimate experience. And then what happened was iPads have crept up in price and they've gotten more and more expensive and it's hard for people to justify buying an iPad and a computer. And so yeah. the marketing people at Apple now are in order to get around that problem, are saying, well, it's also a computer. Good news, it's a computer now. And they've added enough hardware specs to make that true, but the original legacy decision of what the iPad was designed for is holding it back now because the iOS operating system, I just do not think it is designed to f operate as a computer. That's why Macs don't use iOS. They use OS X. And I think that Apple is trying to... I don't know what they're doing, to be honest, because I think that if they truly want to make an iPad a computer, they need to have it run OS X or something that's a modified version of that. Yeah. As opposed like to running of... iOS and then trying to keep adding more and more features to it. Yeah. Like, the as you're describing it, iPad OS just seems kind of like a really awkward decision in some ways. It's like, why not either just have it be iOS and have it be a tablet be its own thing that you use for yeah. more kind of like media consumption and emails and things like that. And then, or move it in the direction of a computer and actually let it run, be like a Microsoft so Surface and run a full desktop software. Well, and that's exactly it, is that Microsoft has solved this problem in a different way. They said, we want this to be a professional device. So they had an operating system that could support that. Yeah. Uh, and so it's not to like they To be fair, can't they didn't this. do that right away. They yeah, arrived there that's eventually. True. That's true. <laughs> yeah. so I think but that Tim Cook has been pretty explicit about saying that he doesn't want to go there. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it doesn't mean that they won't do it at some point, but yeah. um, it, they seem to be resistant to that decision. Mm -hmm. You know, I, when I got my Surface, I was looking for the full-featured desktop applications in a mobile format, um, in, a, in a size format. But it is true to say that my Surface doesn't do the things that a tablet is really optimized for. Yeah. There's a, there is a form factor. There is a characteristic of the size of, a, of an iPad that makes it ideal for just reading a book on your couch. Mm -hmm. And a number of other tasks which are portable but need to be, need to be bigger than your iPhone screen. Mm -hmm. And if iPad OS leans into that and really makes those things better, then it will be a, a good decision. Mm -hmm. I but like so that. far, they haven't quite been making that hasn't been their emphasis. And that, uh, yeah, that's the crux of it for me because I get in these conversations where it sounds like I'm really hating on Apple and hating on the iPad. I love my iPad. <laughs> I use David's it a like lot. The biggest iPad. I fan. am. I'm like the biggest advocate of, of iPads. But when I want to do a deep dive researching something, like I'm planning a trip right now and I have like 10 tabs open to look at flights and hotels, I take out a computer because that's what computers are designed to do and that's not what iPads are designed to do. And it's the idea that Apple is introducing new features to try to do that on an iPad, telling people in their marketing that you can do that in iPad, but they're half-baked and they aren't functional. That bothers me. Yeah. David, you pretty much said what you have to say, but what would, <laughs> how would you summarize your feelings about iPadOS? I would summarize it that I think that 
the iPad is an amazing product. It continues to get better and better. I highly recommend it if you want to buy a product for consuming content, you know, casual usage like browsing the web, using, you know, watching movies, reading, that sort of thing. But it is not a computer, and I think the functionality that Apple has introduced to try to make it more of a professional product are not yet there and are not usable enough to make it that. And if you want a professional quality product, computers are the way to go. Cool. Uh, what do you think, Colin? I basically agree with David, but I would add to that that the additional multitasking features put this product in the realm of something that I would actually use. And I, I'm, mm. a, I'm a tech enthusiast and what I would call a power user. So for, for me, I need those multitasking features or I'm not going to put the device to use. Mm. So it's put, it, yes, they're a little unintuitive and yes, they can be frustrating to learn. But for, for power users like me, I suspect that this is still movement in the right direction. I hope that they will continue to evolve and improve them, and I really hope that the split off of iPadOS means that we're going to see more and more optimization around the device's form factor. Mm -hmm. All right, thanks, you guys, and um, thank you, listeners. We let's do a question of the week about iPadOS. Let us know if you've tried iPadOS and what you think of it. What do you think are its strengths and weaknesses? Email podcast at iphonelife.com. Um, some features we didn't get into to get today, but we've had a lot of interest from a lot of you about Sidecar. That's something that these oh, yeah. two taught in their class. <laughs> the multitasking features, of course, um, the, like new and improved split screen. So you can weigh in on all of those features, podcast at iphonelife.com, and we'll read out um, our best answers in the next episode. So stick around. And for insiders, we have uh, exclusive content right after this. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thanks.